Good evening, tiny dancers, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're finishing off Kit's Dance Like No One's Watching Triple Feature with Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake. Our first non-film, depending on how you feel about Night Beast. <laughs> it's a film! <laughs> it is, it's a recorded ballet. Uh, so uh, we're counting it as a film, but it's technically Night- not a film. Right. Oh, God, yeah. I don't agree. I am, I have, after, after watching it, I feel stronger than ever that it is not a movie. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but I guess we could talk about it. Well, yeah, let's <laughs> jump right in. Um... I think Kit should lead the discussion. Tell us what you kind of shaped your triple around this. Is that right? Yes. Um, Okay. So yeah, what uh, you really love this. So tell us your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, Well, I don't know. I think I'm very enthusiastic about a lot of things. And I think I will frequently refer to things as like the best or the greatest or my favorite or, you know, whatever. Like, I just like a lot of stuff a lot. And I'm very intense in how I like things. Like, I think we all are. Um, The three of us, anyway. Other people, I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there's an argument to be made that this is my favorite thing of anything in existence or any work of art that it combines so many things that I love. I think the emotional response to it, no matter how many times I watch it, uh, is like never diminished. And it's so, I just love that it is so (sighs) like Matthew, Matthew Bourne is known for being very audience focused, like for someone who, who creates ballets. Um, he's had out like incredible critical success, but I think he really shapes things around wanting to entertain an audience and make ballet. I don't know. I don't like the word accessible because I think just it shouldn't be inaccessible in the first place, but he, um, he's very audience focused and, but I, I it's not, it's not as like austere, I think as like a lot of people picture ballet. It's yeah. very that this is this is so so fun. It's so silly. It's really sexy. And then it also fucking wrecks me for days like every time I watch it. That it can be so stupid in parts and like you know there's gags, you know, in this um and then the ending is like the <laughs> just the most emotional it's incredible so it's a really good mixture of all the things i mean there's there's like goth elements to it um it's obviously very gay um it's about it's ballet but it's also you know not ballet there's other kinds of dance in it it's the music of tchaikovsky who is my favorite composer because i'm very basic um and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous production design. There's parody and satire in it. Um, yeah, it just it has it has everything, and it's and it has like, t- to my mind, like the best costuming um, 
like if I had to t- think about like what are like the most ascent- like iconic slash ingenious costumes from like a film or a, a ballet or anything like those swan costumes are so wonderful and the look the look is so great anyway so this is just it's just a perfect 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 thing without taking itself too seriously it feels very like open hearted in a way um and i think it uses you know from what i've seen i think it uses the score better than like in its revisions of the story the score even becomes more beautiful um and this i found out today in doing research for this that um most productions of swan lake use a revised version that was in in the works when Tchaikovsky was still alive, but finished by someone else after he died. And almost every production of Swan Lake you see will use that sort of like order and music. Why and this? Why? Yeah, I'm not exact. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it's just that's the that's sort of the production that became standard, or if they thought it was an improvement. But this one uses the original score. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think it's. Uh, amazing (laughs) like it's magnificent um yeah anyway i don't know i there's a lot more uh to say but i'll stop there i guess i have questions unless andrew unless you want to (laughs) i don't i didn't have a lot of thoughts on it but like i I can get to my reaction to it um but uh, andrew would you do you did you want to share what you felt the class (laughs) what did i feel yeah. What was your impression um, of the the ballet? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was good. I mean, I I like ballet. I liked uh the way it, it was a surprise. I didn't think I, you know, I didn't know anything about uh this interpretation. And honestly, I don't know a lot about Swan Lake. Like I know the music cuz everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um but like my access point for, for Swan Lake is is Black Swan and the last 5 minutes of Billy Elliot. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's it. Which that's is what, which is so, this? Which is this? Yeah. So that right. was kind of cool, just yeah. to like see that to see to feel. I guess to feel like there was some extension of that movie into this. Like there is some kind of cool. I don't know. Just like it, the 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 sweet wounds of Billy Elliot are still fresh. So um, I think in my in the back of my head, I'm kind of I'm picturing this as like the a part of that i think um but uh yeah i thought the the sort of like there was very cool inventive scenes um again yeah i pictured you know when i think of the ballet which again i like but i think of it as you know tutus i mean that's what i'm expecting to see um so it was cool just uh you know there's like guns and shit and there's uh there's that that fucking bar scene is incredible um and it's cool like seeing uh you know i don't i know uh basically fuck all about ballet so this might be a dumb take but to me it looks cool how they were kind of like um like channeling other types of dance through ballet okay Mm -hmm. so that is what they were doing um well you said it wasn't ballet what they were doing but then it felt like just like looking at it it I don't know. They were doing something that looked like, 
Latin inspired like salsa yeah. something, but it still looked like, you know, it looked like uh, the engine was still ballet. But well, maybe like the, yes, I mean, for instance, the body wasn't. And I'm I'm like I am so far from <laughs> an expert on ballet. I just know I like it, but no one. The only time anyone's on point. In, I mean, there's hardly any women in in the production, but the only time anyone is on point is in the parody ballet that happens. So, like in the bar, like yeah, it's I think it still qualifies as ballet, but they're but they're wearing dance shoes, like you know that sure. you would like you say do like a salsa in or something. So there's something there's something about that too that is really appealing to me because it feels like I think that you know when it comes to fine art, there. There are people who will play with things in in ways that um, other people will tend to consider like a, you know, an abomination or a betrayal mm -hmm. of that art form or whatever. And so I tend to think that, you know, art should be whatever whoever's making it thinks it should be. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. I don't and it sounds like this is this is critically well received. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, seems like people agree with me. But you know what I'm saying? Like. There's, there's just, there's, there tends to be like people who don't want um, you to sort of like obstruct their view of what something mm -hmm. is because it's always been that way. So yeah, I, that this was, an, it was a nice surprise in that way. Well, and there's like a, I mean, there is a parody of ballet in this right, ballet, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. That Good is point. poking fun at that, I think, kind of classical mm -hmm. approach, um, among other things. Um, Mike? Yeah, well, and so I guess the first thing I would want to say about it is in watching it, I really didn't feel like I had a lot of an emotional response to it. I didn't feel very drawn into it. I was trying to get as much story out of it as I could. Um, and I know that with, like, that's just how I approach the art that I watch or the art that I consume for lack of a better word um ballet is this is i think the second ballet i've ever seen in my life and the last one was the nutcracker um when i was like you know in elementary school so i'm not gonna like watch this and be like ah it's, cra it's crappy it's boring you know i didn't understand because it's just it's just not my thing like just in the sense i it's a full it's a full art form that i just i don't know the language of it um so i was kind of struggling with that as i watched it I did, uh, I went to the Wikipedia page for it afterwards and read through the summary and it's like, I got plenty of the, the story. Like a lot of it is conveyed through movement and through, you know, the, you know, the way this is filmed, you're, you can see their faces and all that kind of yeah. stuff. You're not too far back. So that was nice. Um, I thought it was pleasant enough. Like I, I did, I didn't, I wasn't like miserable or bored or anything like that. So I'm not even saying didn't like it, did like it. Uh, but I had a hard time understanding some of the story of it. And then reading through the summary did help because I understood. I thought that the, what's the guy's name? The Roth. Rothbart. Rothbart. Okay. I thought Dwayne, the, Dwayne the Roth did, Johnson. Did you yeah. read the <laughs> yeah. summary? Did you read the summary for Swan Lake or a summary for Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake? Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake. So there okay. was a, I actually read both. I, I went okay. back and I read. Yeah. Um, because I, I wanted to see how they compared. And um, 
Yeah, so for the Matthew Bourne one, I when I was watching the ballet, that was before I had read these things. And so I thought that that was his father, but that was not his father. And so that did kind of change. It's not really Rothbard either. There really is no Rothbard in this okay. story. He's well, the, he, he is the equivalent of Rothbard in, right. for Matthew Bourne. Yeah, and so I watched the whole thing thinking that was his father, and I was trying to kind of... Bless you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, no, you're fine. Uh, I was trying to, or yeah, so I guess as I was like, you know, assessing the themes, mm -hmm. like that's what I was, how I was reading it. Um, and, and that's, yeah, again, that's no failing of the ballet. Like I said, this is just not an art form I understand as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was, I'm glad that I watched it. I, um, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's always good to like expose yourself to new stuff. And like, I think this was certainly you know, just reading like what the critical response to it was and stuff. It seems like this is probably a good example of a modern ballet that people enjoy and uh, regard highly, highly. But I have questions for you if you're up for mm -hmm. not sure. Just I'll question do my best. Answers. OK, well, yeah. So like what? Um, like, how would you just summarize like kind of the main character's sure. journey, like um, psychologically and then. I mean, I guess psychologically, sexually, uh, and yeah, just yeah, I, basically just that. That'll be my question. So I think Matthew Bourne Swan Lake has a lot, I would say has a lot more story than the original Swan Lake, but in my opinion, tells it much more clearly than the original Swan Lake. Like the original Swan Lake is a simpler story, hmm. but possibly more obscure um there is so i don't know if you you have you've never seen a swan lake uh, other no. than this one no this is it so uh, it's actually yes have you andrew i've been to a lake with swans in it <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay. well you're ahead of me there um <laughs> so Actually, one thing, so Sydney and I, one of our favorite movies used to be that, I don't know if it's Ralph Bakshi or who, but the, the Swan Princess, which was like a knockoff non-Disney yeah. animated movie. I, um, I know this Bakshi. one. Um, it's not Don Bluth either, but I know what you're talking about. I thought it was one of those guys, but um, Don Bluth. we watched it a lot. So mm -hmm. we both do have like the, the basic story of Swan Lake, although obviously like that's a kid's movie. It has a happy oh. ending, like all that. It's it's directed by, are you ready for this? Yes. It's directed by Richard Rich, Richie Rich. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's what he grew up to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not like well animated, like it it's not very good, but we really liked it, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I think probably because honestly, like we also like the Nutcracker. I don't know. Um, so I do have like the basic story of Swan Lake in my head from that from childhood. Yeah. Um, this so this on the one hand abandons the story of Swan Lake completely. On the other hand, I do think it rewards knowledge of Swan Lake, kind of like a little bit like I think the Castlevania show I've been watching where. If you've played the games, apparently there are Easter eggs and things in there that you can pick up on that make it fun. I have no knowledge of those games, and it's still very fun to me. But I do th – so, for instance – okay, let's see. How do I go through this? So in the beginning of the of the, of the original ballet, the prince 
like act one is the prince and his boys and his mom his mom tells him he has to get married he has to like pick a princess and she's gonna have a ball where um he just has to pick the person he likes the best and he's upset that he doesn't get to marry for love and his boys are trying to make him feel better so they say let's go hunting they see some swans fly overhead and he just his mom had just given him like a new bow crossbow for his birthday so he's like cool so they go to hunt swans he falls in love with odette who is this princess who uh turns back into a swan every night um yeah like the wizard day has, or something yeah put a curse on all of them yeah because she's under yeah she's under a curse of a wizard and all the swan all the swans are also women right i yes. think so uh, yeah. yeah i mean all i just swans i read women. the summary for the like the original ballet so that's all right. i know of it i haven't seen swan princess so um then basically Siegfried, who's the prince in this story, he said the curse, the curse can be broken if someone who's never been in love before swears their love for her. He does so. And so then, oh, cool. So then once they're married or whatever, I don't know, she'll get to be the curse will be broken and she'll get to be a woman forever. But at the ball that night, Rothbart, the evil sorcerer, um, sends a, a decoy uh, named Odile, that's the black swan who looks exactly like Odette, that's the main swan. Um, and they trick the prince into saying he loves Odile because he thinks it's Odette, and that basically means that Odette is doomed. Um, and he, when he realizes what he's done, he runs to the lake and he, you know, begs Odette's forgiveness. Um, she bequeaths it, but um, in order to uh, stay together they both jump into the lake and kill themselves that like breaks uh rothbart's curse and they like ascend to the heavens together there are a million different endings to this ballet that people have done um sometimes they end up they just live happily ever after um some there's one where siegfried basically becomes the new rothbart and forces odette to just like stay with him anyway um and yeah, so there's a lot of different endings, like from sad to happy, that people have have stuck on this. In Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, so I think the beginning there's like an there's a, I don't think it's it's as explicit as his mom is like, you have to get married. But I think we understand kind of if we're making connections to the original that that's some kind of pressure he's under to like select a woman um he his he's obviously his mom is not very nice and she he she, he, she will not show him affection um they How go old about, is he supposed to be he's 21 in the original so probably around there but i mean it's not it's set in our time like it's you know it was just i was confused because <laughs> because it was like okay he's got a giant bed so is he a little boy <laughs> i think that's and so they can fit all those swans under there <laughs> And yeah, and then his mom, you know, she's got that streak of gray yeah. hair, but you know, she's also well, you, toit. So it's like you can't have what? an old lady doing ballet I most of the time. <laughs> I understand, but maybe a little bit more gray to make me because it took me a really long time to realize that they weren't, you know, boinking. Oh, hmm. Okay. See, I don't know. That's the other thing. Is anyway. Um. So they have that day where they go about their royal duties. Um, in, in the original, that's the time where he's like hanging out with his boys and playing with his crossbow, I think. Um, mm -hmm. 
And there's the one part that is that I love that is, I think, very important where they wheel out that statue as like one of their royal duties is to go like see this new statue that's being unveiled. And it's like a hot guy from behind. That's the swan, the guy who plays the swan anyway. And the prince is kind of like, hmm, interesting. Um, and I also noticed for the first time tonight that the, the statue is kind of in a pose similar to what the swans end up doing, like their kind of like classic pose. Um so they go about their duties. He meets that girl um, who I don't know if he really likes her or just can see himself with her like she's fun. But then, of course, she doesn't impress his mom. So and then the mom and the private secretary conspire to basically pay her off not to show up anymore. There's the part where they go to the ballet and she makes an ass of herself, um, supposedly um, by enjoying the ballet, which I <laughs> Which I think is part of the point. So the prince is very um, distraught. I think one of the prince's issues, and that is shown in the in this mirror scene, um, is feeling unmasculine. I think he's standing there in front of the mirror. He's like doing poses to try to sort of, you know, and mm -hmm. and the, and I think they do a really good job of establishing character through movement because the thing is, like that guy who plays the prince. He can, I can almost guarantee he can do all the stuff that the guy playing the swan <laughs> can do. It's just he's been cast in this character. And I think he does a really good job of, he's obviously not as buff as the swan guy. But if he were playing the swan, you'd, I think you'd believe him as the swan as well. But through his performance, you kind of get the impression that he's sort of meek and insecure yeah. and shy. Um, so he starts drinking. Then he goes out to, to the bar um he you know bad shit happens shit goes wrong there um and he goes out to the lake to kill himself um which is why he puts like a that's like a suicide note that he posts on that sign and then the swan shows up and saves him and he has the dance with all the swan guys um they have a kind of will they won't they sort of energy about them um, and I think it's unclear at this point whether we are in a fantasy or reality. I think it's fantasy. Um, then I think after that we have the ball, which in the in the original is where all these princesses are showing up to try to impress him. Um, you'll notice this basically the original has basically the same plot as the Nutcracker, which is. This thing is established. There's like a magical item sort of, which is like the bow, the, the crossbow. Um, he goes to this sort of sort of fantasy world of the lake and it's very ethereal and magical. Um, there's a, a dance sequence where people just show dances from different nationalities interpreted through Tchaikovsky, <laughs> which also happens in the original Swan Lake. Um, oh, cool. And... Yeah, then you have, you know, your ending or whatever. But, and of course, Nutcracker has a happier ending. But um, I think the way that it treats, that this treats the black swan, I think is the most radical departure. And in my opinion, sort of like a really cool improvement over the original, which instead of like princesses dancing to impress the prince, the black, the black swan, who's really not the black swan, he's just a stranger in leather, who I think the prince fantasizes as the black swan because they look similar because that guy doesn't seem to recognize him 
at all. I think that's how we're supposed to read that. Um, yeah. And then every time the lights turn blue, we're sort of in the prince's head in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the, I like the way that the stranger comes in and changes the energy such that every all those dances become about impressing him <laughs> as opposed to impressing the prince. And I think that plays really well into like the themes of masculinity and like what what that figure represents to the prince. It's just this like very <laughs> hetero like strong masculine guy. Hell yeah. Um in his like leather pants and everything. Mm-hmm. Um and the pr- so the prince is losing it psychologically. He then we obviously we have an accidental murder. He goes to an insane asylum. He guess he gets out of the insane asylum and has a kind of last vision of these swans where now the swans behave more like the people at the party who were um laughing or at least as he imagines them how how he fears they would respond to his homosexuality if he were to act on it um and the swans destroy the, the love between him and the swan he dies swan dies they ascend to the heavens similarly to the original his mom discovers him and it turns out she did kind of care about her kid um so yeah psychologically to me the sh- the production is about obvious i mean obviously it's about it's some kind of par- like parable about being gay but even more than that in a way i think it's about masculinity and different displays of masculinity or performances of masculinity and then along with that like freedom and i think that's more rather than the swans being like cursed I think the swans are, until that last scene, sort of just free and and beautiful and masculine and um, more what what the prince is actually looking for um, than like a curse he has to break or something. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that clarifies stuff. Like, I definitely didn't notice that the statue was the same as the black swan guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I got I think I got I would say 75 percent of that from watching it uh, and then reading afterwards and stuff. But yeah, I guess I don't know. Also, like I've read stuff about like operas uh, and it all is like at least the stuff I read is like it's all very uh, heavy and like philosophical and all this kind of stuff that they find in there. And so I felt like maybe I was missing like like much deeper or much more sophisticated stuff. But it's like, that makes sense that that's just that's what the story was for this. And, um, but, you know, it's a, it's certainly in. Yeah, it's interesting in, in that way. It's not like a bad story or something. But I guess that's what I, I felt. I had this feeling the whole time, like I'm missing something bigger. I'm missing something bigger. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I also want to mention, incidentally, so Matthew Bourne, um, he didn't start dancing until he was 22 years old, which is really old to wow. start dancing. But by that point, somehow he had already been like run and directed multiple dance companies. And his his own dance company is called Adventures in Motion Pictures, which is obviously like a pun. But I do think he has a very like movies approach in a way to his to making his ballets like he's. He did a picture of Dorian Gray that used like cameras, like on like 
the dancers holding cameras and taking pictures and then those being like projected um behind the dancers Hmm. he has he adapted edward scissorhands um for ballet he also has uh recently made a ballet out of the red shoes um Hmm. which is set to various scores by bernard herman now Um, is it is it the movie the red shoes or the ballet it's the the movie movie, the movie the red shoes so presumably so then it also has the ballet within a ballet that this two ballets right it's about it's like the inception of ballets it really is the inception of that. Like, now someone needs to make a movie out of uh, mm-hmm. Matthew Bourne's Red Shoes. Um, or a ballet out of Inception, either way. <laughs> that is probably going to happen. That would yeah. actually... It could be potential I mean, there. There's a lot of dance in Inception, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. if you think about it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would actually probably be better than the movie okay then actually i'm going to copyright that idea real quick for any you really should we could cut this out you should mail it to yourself did you have more questions michael um no that clarified a lot um so i got the rothbart thing i guess i didn't really understand like why the mom didn't like him or was so cold to him but I guess that could be she was just disappointed that he wasn't living up to like what the prince needs to be. I think, or that's, whatever. I think that's part of it. I mean, I yeah. think I think she's just, you know, some moms be like that. Um, yeah. But then also, yeah, I think there is an element of her being disappointed in him. Um, also, I think this uh, show is very de- really despises women. <laughs> like, OK, <laughs> so, yeah. And like I didn't realize until I read the thing that. Uh, typically that this would all be women. Like, yeah, I guess I didn't realize how much gender swapping was going on, or I guess oh, sex, yeah. swap, sex swapping was going on. Um, I mean, so that, that is the, that's why this, I mean, that's the brilliant conceit of this. That's why this became a huge hit. Okay. But then it's also really good. But certainly it's, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. I mean, this is his first big thing as far as i know this is the thing for which he is best known and it's certainly you know, a genius pr move to be like i'm gonna do swan lake with all men it's weird um, though that that paid off yet the uh 2016 ghostbusters did not pay off i know <laughs> <laughs> um well and there, you, go ahead i was gonna say turns out things work when you have a reason to do them right <laughs> he re he re he re completely recast the entire story to support that decision then obviously yeah. the the choreography is completely different and actually um there are a lot more barriers i would say to an all-male ballet than to an all-female ghostbusters like everything in ballet first of all ballet is about women i think principally um like it's hard to think of it as a ballet if there's no women on it if no one in it is like on point and do you know doing and a tutu mm. um but partnering the just all of the mechanics of ballet go into like male female partnering it's much easier i mean and most of what men do in ballet is leap and lift and lifting a guy is very different <laughs> from lifting a 90 pound ballerina you know, right. so even Matthew Bourne himself, who actually, I think, successfully figured out how to do a gay or all male ballet, he even says, like, he can't really super imagine a true, like, romantic pas de deux between two guys within the confines of ballet. I would argue he fucking did it multiple times in this very show. Um, but it's very it's it's uh, very challenging, I think. OK. 
depressing. Yeah, and then I guess the last thing I had with regard to the mom was I guess I kept thinking maybe there was some sort of like edible thing going on. <clears throat> um, but then by the end, it didn't really seem like that was a thing. But for for a long time, I was like, is he like into his mom? And that's why he's not really as into this. Uh, whoever the blonde lady was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what her character's name was. Um, the girlfriend. The girlfriend, yeah. Okay. So like, <laughs> And that's why he's not into her. And then she was great. Um, yeah, she was good. Yeah. Was good. Some nice gams too. Whew, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it's funny because it's like there's her and she's a big idiot, although she turns out to be sort of a decent person, I think. Um, well, but, was she the same person the whole way through? Yes. So it's not like that dancer played multiple characters? No. Okay. I got a little confused just with the costume changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then no, so that's it's like her she's in the black dress. Right. So she's in the, the pink kind of dress at the beginning where she's more like. <laughs> She seems kind of ditzy or, you know, whatever. And then mm-hmm. she's at that, uh, the swank club. Uh, and then uh, she seems more like, you know, and so it's like he like he learns. I, like the idea was that she had been paid to kind of be flirty with him or something like that. Is I that right? think she was being paid to not show up. That's she was being paid to go away. Oh, he okay. basically he basically had settled on her as like, if I have to get married, like I like this gal. OK, Um. And then, obviously, she's not the most innocent because she's, like, going to this bar with another guy. She, like, just kind of wants to marry a prince. And then Rothbard shows up and pays, and pays her off, basically. Can you stay the fuck away from the prince, please? Okay. Um, and then she shows up at the ball. And she could still just be scheming, but it seems a little bit like it's cast as, like, no, I don't want your money well right but she seems kind of sinister in the bar <laughs> yes stuff. and so i thought well she seems so like yes. bubbly and innocent to begin with and then at the dance at the end when she's in i guess she's in a different costume at the bar but then she's also definitely in the black costume at the kind of the ball i guess toward the the third act mm-hmm. um, they tried to help you by making it exactly the same dress she wears in pink just it's black <laughs> well but see that's the thing there's there's in this there's like there's a white swan and then there's a black swan yeah. and so i'm thinking like is that are there multiple character oops i hit my microphone uh are there multiple characters who kind of have this sort of duality or mm-hmm. i don't know i didn't know what was going on yeah but it was so, it's interesting okay, so sorry. the mom the mom doesn't she wants him to get married at least that's in the original okay um and it seems to be i think the basic backstory of this one is she wants him to like become embrace more of his royal duties which would also include picking a wife presumably but she doesn't Um, want him to be with that with that no she hates that girl hmm that's a mean mom (laughs) it was a good she was a perfectly fine suitor in my opinion it's i think yeah it's a little more it's a little more nuanced than just like oh she wants him to be a man and bang chicks um <laughs> yeah not that she does not want him to bang that chick and i also don't think i don't think she's like i don't think she ha- i guess it's for you to figure out i don't think she has any inkling that her son is gay because i don't think her son has any inkling that he's gay until kind of the events of this show i yeah. don't think he knows really what's going on with him until he like sees that statue and then meets the swans and everything or he's gotcha. he's been dreaming obviously of this swan um that's what we see in like the very first you know thing that happens um this swan has been appearing to him so i feel like that's sort of the awakening (laughs) um of who he really is 
this is possibly a naive question, but are a lot of men who do ballet gay? I think to the extent that in any like art or entertainment. Okay. Probably, but it's not necessarily like just like across the board type of thing. No, I wouldn't think so. I think what, and it's actually one thing that I think this ballet is also about. Um, This ballet has been, as we talked about, I think in Billy Elliot, this ballet has been hugely influential to like the next generation or two of male ballet dancers like around the world because this show tours a lot too and there are so many like ballet dancers including the guy who's in this movie as the as the swan talks about how when he saw i think the maybe the original swan or he he saw someone dance that part when he was a little kid um because this was also like family entertainment so a lot of kids saw this um and he was like, to him, it was like, oh, boys can be dancers. Like, um, and 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 also ballet, male ballet dancers, I think you can imagine, like, get a lot of sh- shit from, <laughs> from, from people for, for dancing. Well, that's, um, yeah, like going from Billy Elliot into this, it was kind of funny because it was like, you know, uh, it's like, well, you know, not all ballet dancers are poofdas or whatever. Yeah. And, and then going to this, it's like, oh, they're kind of fucking each other on stage (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah they um but i think but what i think this it's why this show is one of the more interesting aspects of this show i think is that like yeah it's like a gay ballet fine Mm -hmm. but it's also i think about masculinity in a pretty honestly like traditional sense like Mm -hmm. part part of what that ballet within the ballet is making fun of is how men how male ballet dancers are choreographed and i think probably matthew bourne's biggest goal with this production was to make the most kind of masculine movement that he could and one thing you know and you see those guys the the the, one of the cool things about there being close-ups is typically when you go to the ballet like they're the whole point is for them to be doing incredible feats of athleticism that don't look like that's what they're doing it's supposed to just Mm -hmm. look smooth and graceful and perfect but because there are close-ups in this you see they are dripping sweat yeah (laughs) they are breathing so hard they are quivering like with the effort of like holding certain poses and you get to see how hard it is and i don't know enough about ballet choreography to know whether this is the case but i think in part because this is all men and like i said most of what men are responsible for in ballet is leaping and lifting there's not a ton of lifting in this though there is some um every time i think yeah Go ahead. Sorry to jump in. Every time the uh, swan would carry uh, shit, what's the, what's the prince's name? The prince. <laughs> the prince. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or you know they would kind of he would kind of like wrap Ugh. around him like back every time they yes. did that. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> that would be <laughs> yes. extraordinarily hard. But I think the choreography in this for those for the swans looks 
extraordinarily difficult. <laughs> like, yeah, it a lot looks of it was really cool. Yeah, backbreaking. Sure. Um, but I love, and I don't know if this is intentional, but I love the you know the swan the the sort of iconic swan pose in this. It ends with like a wrist going limp, you know, <laughs> which I feel like that's intentional. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and I love when he, when the strangers, you know, the equivalent of the black swan, is when they have their like their dance. He keeps like pushing him away, like mm-hmm. like basically throwing him away from himself, and then putting his hand out in sort of the opposite of that swan pose to like <laughs> beckon him to him. Um, and so I think like like this this started from you talking about homosexuality and you know and ballet and all that and i think i i kind of think this show is more about masculinity than it is about gayness but i think its intent is to show that those two things are not mutually exclusive um sure almost to the point that i think you know this show is a like i like i said the show is a little bit um disgusted with women and i think also a little bit disgusted with effeminate men (laughs) um in a way question Uh, then yeah what do you so i think you kind of mean maybe like societal expectations for men but what additionally would you mean for masculinity when you say that this ballet explores masculinity i mean uh, i mean uh, the biggest thing would be almost movement in in ballet Okay, um, so like a specific critique of, uh, or not a critique, but yeah, just commentary on uh, men in ballet. So not, okay, so masculinity in that sense, but not necessarily in a wider sense. I think in a, wi- I think in a wider sense, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I think men would almost be better suited to saying, you know, what they get out of it. But I, I think, you know, there, I think that mirror scene is important, you know, of him kind of trying poses. I do think that that's a source of his angst is that he does not fulfill this, you know, and it's why Mm -hmm. the, the figure he fantasizes, like, you know, like a lot of gay media, there is a sort of thin line between lusting after the person and wanting to be the person. I think the, the, um, the stranger slash the swan is, who he you know loves and desires but also who he wishes he could be Mm -hmm. um and he and precisely because of the i mean in the case of the swan i think it's the freedom i think it's the the strength um and uh you know they cast i feel like they they cast the white swan based on how he looked from the back because like his he looks he's extremely muscular like even for a ballet dancer i think um and obviously the prince who is no doubt just as strong in reality has a kind of more gangly skinny frame leaner Um, let's say leaner leaner. yeah yeah we don't we don't don't like the word gangly kid (laughs) we don't use that term Um, anymore (laughs) 
And they dress him to emphasize, like one of the reasons that I think the swan costume is so wonderful is the shape of the sort of waistband really emphasizes the like width of the, their torsos. It gives their thighs this like thickness. Um, it also obviously enhances the dancing so much. And the way that they dress the prince is in basically long johns <laughs> with like <laughs> with suspenders to sort of like emphasize his, you know, uh, maybe wimpiness. Um, I'll say if there was one thing that I did not like, and this is just purely a texture thing, I did not like those pants. I understand uh, that they've got to establish their swans, but I was just like, Ugh, I don't like that. Oh, the swan I, pants. Yeah. I did not like that. I literally, one of my notes is, uh, <laughs> where is it? Swan pants look comfy. <laughs> I truly think those, I think that's the greatest costume design. If I had to pick like a number one, because yeah. you can't, this show debuted in 95. That's what they were wearing. Um, I don't think you can clock it at all, like what time period that costume came from, which is usually not the case. It almost feel, there's, it feels like there's an allusion to like a pastoral, you know, ballet of the past in a way. Like they almost, to me, they look almost like 18th century. <laughs> costumes in a way i think the shape of them is so perfect there's that fluff to them that gives them a kind of femininity that you would Mm -hmm. like associate with swans obviously the way they move is a big deal i just think they truly narrowed down swan to two things (laughs) it's like those pants and the black the black like line yeah and and they read as as swans and of course that's you know all their movement and stuff you know goes to that um well i know yeah. what i'm getting andrew for his birthday <laughs> <laughs> you know what i think would have gone great with those swan pants a freaking swan jacket maybe a swan hat yeah some swan gloves Could be i think good. you're you risking think? donald duck territory no <laughs> no donald swan donald swan <laughs> all right I've been listening to a lot of interesting discussion here. <laughs> uh, time for old Andrew to step in and uh, <laughs> say a couple say a couple things. So to speak. Right. <laughs> I liked this. I thought it was pretty. I enjoyed it. Uh, and they are definitely at times they are trying to use the camera to do more than just capture, but so much of it just is kind of perfunctory. I think. And maybe that's the difference to me between this and a movie. And also why I'd probably just rather watch this in the theater. As oh, for sure. A ballet. <laughs> like that's that's how it's meant to be shown. So that's how I want to mm-hmm. see it. And then, you know, I was thinking about it while I was watching it. And it reminded I watched I also watched I watched uh so you can't it is really, really hard to find the abyss anywhere to watch, and I haven't seen it hmm. in years. And I had been waiting like the last five years for it to come out on Blu-ray, and it never did. So they just put it back on Prime. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch the abyss, and I watched it. And I watched it in a, it was a shitty four-three VHS rip, and I've seen it like in widescreen, so I know what it looks like. But it's just like to me, that's what this is. Is it's it's this pan and scan version of, of of whatever this is. Um, and there are also things that are just like, um, you know, like eye patch lady when she, when the dude comes over and is doing the yeah. shots and then she like does the very big, like theatrical lick of her lips. Like that's, that's gross in a close up. If I'm sitting middle <laughs> to the back of the theater, 
where I'm meant to be able to see it still, it looks great. It's like, okay, that's you're conveying that information to me. But like as a shot in a film, it's not like it's not it doesn't it doesn't work on the same level. So that's the other thing, is it's just like you're taking two different things and sort of mashing them together so the cotton toppers at the Fathom events can see it. Um so yeah, I the, I I liked it, but I, there's just there's just like there's times where like any time it, it went to a close up or uh, or even like a medium shot, it was like, well, I know, I'm sure that there, I'm sure that you know the people who chose to make this a close up or a medium shot, I'm sure there's thought behind it, but it's just like, but this isn't, this isn't the thing that this was meant to be. So yes. it's like, what am I, what am, even though the, I understand that even in the live version, the emphasis is probably in the same spot. What the fuck else is happening that I'm missing? I, I mean, I actually, so I think that's probably the best argument for it not being movie is that it was not blocked or staged for a movie. And it was obviously not Thank changed. Um, I... There were definitely times, like at the beginning, there's little business. Cause, so every ballet begins with people just walking in a circle around the stage, basically. And <laughs> they show you like some of um, the secretary's business that I'm like, I am guarantee you that if I was watching this in the audience, I would not be noticing that he's doing that. And a lot of the things that like the girl is doing and the, and the mother giving her bad looks um, – while they're watching the ballet, like my focus would probably be on the ballet. It wouldn't be on that, but some people are looking at that. But in this, in this, they're giving you close-ups of it. There were times where I felt I would rather be seeing the entire picture than half of it. Cause I know that this was arranged for it all to be like a, a scene. Yep. Other times though, I did appreciate, I love, um, I love that we get a close-up when the the stranger puts the black stuff on his face and when yeah he, and, it's very cool I and agree. when he turns his face and smiles and it become it looks like a less threatening more genuine smile i'm like that would be very hard to read um in an audience and i think it's it's nice here i also think at times they use editing in the camera to enhance some of the effects of the ballet though the effects still so one of the best parts of this show i think is when the stranger is dancing with the mom and they're twirling toward the prince and then the prince like steps in and the light turns blue and they go from a medium to a wide mm -hmm. and just just the fact that there's a cut there helps and it's you know timed well um it enhances in a way i think that that switch however it obviously you can tell by the audience's reaction <laughs> that it worked equally as well <laughs> just you know watching the show but like i don't disagree at all that like my post lockdown goal is to see as many Matthew Bourne productions <laughs> as I can and especially to see this live like there I love watching this I also think like at the end you know the the when when this right after this the the swan has died and the prince is like walking toward the camera and the score or he's walking downstage I guess the the score is so I feel like that's one of the best recasts of a main theme in anything. The way that it sounds 
it's probably why people have been able to give this either a happy or a sad ending <laughs> is because the way that that sounds it's is it's like fighting to be a happy theme but it's just a little fucked up it's like he just slammed the minor and the major together and it sounds like an insane person to me and I, and that guy who's not an actor he's a dancer he's doing really good acting <laughs> i think like the look i the look on his face and being able to see that a little bit better is 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 at least interesting and like i said fascinating to see sweat just dripping off this poor man who has to dance in a leather <laughs> who has to do what he's doing in like an entirely leather outfit plus a big overcoat um he's like he's like he's doing that but he's doing it in ross's pants Yes, exactly. And I'm like concerned. Like, are people going to slip on the amount of sweat pouring off of this guy? I did. I did think about that. Yeah, I absolutely. I was just because they're like touching each other and stuff. And it's I wondered that this this seems ripe for injury. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered at one point how often uh, dancers just slam into each other like it accidentally at a ballet because there were so many things where they're kind of like crisscrossing or like moving in a line. I was like, surely some performance on like a Tuesday, like somebody's just like totally cream somebody i thought i saw a guy in this land a jump a little too close to one of those like pillars yeah um that's in the stage and like almost like modify (laughs) what he was doing to avoid hitting it yeah because you just you watch this stuff and like for me it was really easy to just sort of like honestly just kind of get bored like you just take it for granted that these people are all moving expertly and they know but then you start to think about it's like good lord like it would be so hard to do any of these things with your body there's Um, that part in the choreography that i think is something that also happens in the original in most versions of the original where the 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 company of swans not the main one are coming out from the wings and kind of crisscrossing almost like the Beatles movies where they're like in a hallway and they're like they keep coming out of it looks kind of like that and I was just thinking about both the timing of when you go to make sure the spacing is accurate and then all these people with different heights different degrees of power are like jumping and stuff and having to jump the same amount of space or they'll all like end up you know crunching into each other or getting to a far just to keep the regulation of the pattern so perfect. It's like, how the fuck do you do do that? Yeah, and like, it was really easy for me to just not even think about that. And then you kind of just get bored. But then as soon as you start to like, really like, think like, good Lord, like they have to do all of these things. And like, they have to do it to music. And they have to like, yes. uh, Yeah, it's just, it's wild. Anyways, you were gonna say something, Andrew? Yeah. um, I had two things. One, just jumping off of your point. I think I agree. I think I think there is there's so much physicality and timing and and uh, and just thought and and strength and everything that goes into this. And there's some there is something about a putting a camera between the viewer and like kind of like wall to wall incredible visuals and 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 choreography. There's something about about it that like it creates this sort of distance do, do you understand what i'm saying yeah the other thing i was going to say suggest or say is that here's my proposal let's do this as a movie right 
Let's let's get rid of the audience. We don't need them. Stage don't need it. Let's get on a set, baby. And here's the thing, dance. It 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 let. I mean, the, there's a lot you can do with the camera and body movement, as we know. I think and like, can you think of a ballet movie, like an actual ballet movie? Yes. What is it? The Macaulay Culkin Nutcracker. Okay, that was filmed on a stage. But they Get do shoot. It. But it looks a lot more like a movie than this does. No, I'm talking. That's a, no, none of that. <laughs> okay. I'm talking well, an a, an actual movie. We're going on location, right? And we're doing friggin' ballet. And there's no and there's dialogue. No fu- and there's no dialogue. Okay. All score, baby. Maybe some sound effects. <laughs> that could be cool. Get some get some ambience and shit in there. Uh, I just think there's a lot there's a lot to uh, lot to work with here. Yeah. Let's- no, I think like so the kind of the centerpiece of the film, the red shoes that we watched. Mm-hmm. If you like, there is material here and my personal preference would probably be to see like the classical version of, uh, the black swan, um, what translated swan into the, the, so, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Swan like, um, uh, like that would probably make a really cool film, but like there's, yeah, there is like, just do it in that visually inventive of a way. And that, What's that? I think you would be so bored during this, during the original Swan Lake. I have right. to say, no, no, I'm just I'm just building on Andrew's idea. Okay, like, uh, but uh, but no, I think that would be, yeah, like you can make a ballet movie. I think people my, pre- would, my people preference would do it. my for, to see this. I my preference would be to see it as it was intended on the stage. I would like. I think it would be. I would love to see it. I yeah. genuinely would. But if you're gonna try to if you're gonna try to package this as a movie to me, it's gotta be it's gotta be the real deal. So let's get out there. What would the word be? Would it be ballet? B a l l e t i c, balletic. Balletic, yeah. The most balletic film. I, I was gonna say you could just like do a search for like balletic films or the most. But it's like there, there, are, there are there are opera movies. There Operatic. Are... Have you seen? No. Operatic. Yeah, that's the word. No, that's not what I'm calling it. <laughs> opera movies. <laughs> And then no, there no, are, yeah. but there there are there are movies that are plays, <laughs> right? Like Neil yeah. Laboo, like he makes mo- play movies. Um, well, the uh, what was it? The Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't that a play? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, think, okay. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Uh, every every year something gets nominated for Best Picture that was based on a play. There is a <laughs> Wim Wenders documentary. Vim Wenders. Vim Wenders. Sorry, <laughs> Vim Wenders documentary. Pina? about Pina Bausch, yeah, yeah that I'd like, does yeah. some of this. Mm. Have you guys seen Paris, Texas? No, mm-hmm. I'd like to. It's a fantastic film. I've thought about putting it in a triple. Anyways, sorry. You just mentioned my friend Vim, and so I... I, I just, I think, I mean, sure. I, I think if what you're saying is that, yeah, let's make a movie of this, if we're going to call it a movie, fine. Personally, I think I'd always rather see this live. <laughs> Not, I don't mean just That's... this. I'd rather see. I enjoy stagecraft. <laughs> I'm not. Look here. I'm not saying specifically this. I'm mm-hmm. saying. I'm saying that because I don't agree this is a movie. Well, that gives me the idea that why, why, why hasn't somebody made a ballad so, that's a movie? Is Dogville a movie? Absolutely. But that's all on a stage. <laughs> But it's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. It's just, it is. I mean, so, I get what you're saying. I did, I literally had this thought earlier because I thought you would bring this up. <laughs> and it, it is, it's a, it is a movie because 
it was always designed to be a movie. It just, so is that the only just, thing that can be a movie is if it's originally intended to be a movie? I think it matters to like your shot choice and your blocking. And yeah. I mean, we've already said, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think taking I think something else and, and, and funneling it through a camera does not make it a film. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. That's possible. But that to me, that's, it's not a movie. I think that's fair um, enough. Cause it's, it's not, you're not saying it's not art. You're just saying it's not specifically a film. I think that's fair. No, it's a, it's yeah. a ballet that it's a ballet yeah. that, that somebody the filmed. Ballet. Yeah. Which and is it looked great. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And, and you can even play it in a movie theater. That's how I saw uh, Swan Lake. Like, or, uh, yeah, that's that's how I saw Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake is as this. I, it would probably be much more interesting to be there at the theater watching myself, but I don't have, I don't know, hundreds of dollars. I would miss the live music. Yeah. Although it's never loud enough. Well, no. I always want the orchestra to be louder. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah, I'm saying this was a fine substitute yeah. for me who can't make it out to, you know, New York or London or wherever they where sure. do they do these things. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's basically fine. there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily need I don't necessarily need this to be made into a movie. It just got me thinking that, mm. like, OK, well, these people are using the camera out of a kind of the, just like out of absolute necessity. It's not. Yes, it, that's it, true. It, so well, I they're would not like, even I'd, and they're not even being. I don't know if there's any creative camera. I, I mean, I don't know if the camera moves at all. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's dudes on tripods the whole time. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, but I think, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much, you know, when I, th I think of ballet, I think of like, uh, what the Greek statues that you walk, you can walk around. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. What is it called? Whatever that is. It Hellenic statues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think about that. I think about how, like, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, because ballet is kind, it's not it's not two dimensional, but it's in comparison to, to the, the way it's set up is kind of two dimensional. Where it's a like lot of it is about making pictures that right. look really nice on the stage. Yeah, which is great. And I I'm not advocating for that being a lesser form of art or, or changing anything about that. I just think that, like, this is a cool idea that people haven't really done. Like, what if what if there was no audience and the camera could move around? the 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 dancer and what if i think you know, i, I don't think know. the challenge then is that your movie would i think still have to find ways though of capturing wides without it seeming like a stage i guess maybe you should just do this i agree and i you know <laughs> i have problems too with like with like some with a lot of like musicals too because of this where it's like you know there's there's so especially like classic musicals there's like there's so much of it that feels like, uh, you know, this was, it's so clearly meant, it feels so meant for the stage. Mm -hmm. And every time they cut to a close-up, I feel like I'm missing something. But when I'm stuck on a, a wide for too long, I feel tired. I was so, thinking about that recently because, I mean, I love that because, again, I think I like seeing, I like set design so much. I, I like, I, it doesn't bother me, but we... Lee and I were sitting next to each other and they showed a clip from from uh, The Sound of Music, which I've never really enjoyed very much as a movie. But it's the mm -hmm. part where I think they're they're out in the mountains and she's it's probably do re me or something. I don't know. But she's singing them. We were both sitting there like, Jesus Christ, that looks amazing. And it's like uh, you'd never you. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're outdoor in the, in the Alps or whatever. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it's it looks incredible. And, you know, when the camera's spinning around her, when she's singing, like, that's something that would never happen in on a stage. Mm -hmm. And it totally enhances the music 
for that to be happening. And think about like uh, like West Side Story, you know, mm-hmm. like on those those uh, that like kind of uh, cement, like that concrete, I don't know, like basketball courts basketball or whatever. Court, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like you've got all these wide shots and just just populating that space with the obstacle of chain link. Just mm-hmm. I mean. And 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 then all the and then of course all the Shadows things they do with light and, yeah there's yeah. so much you can do with it and it feels even like that still feels very stage like but it also is dynamic and yeah that's probably you know what, the I don't know to me maybe the greatest example of like you're right it feels setty it's not gritty and I mean it was gritty for the time I guess but it's not like let's do this musical like Nolan's Batman where it's still you know, it's people there. It's still they're treating the streets like a stage, but it's still the streets mm-hmm. and they're using those elements. Yeah, absolutely. And moving the camera and, you know, those that shot where like the guys come out of the tunnel and it, like it's so awesome. It is awesome. Um, yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this it's not it's not a totally original idea, but I think there's a it'd be cool to see something like that. So if we could maybe write to our local politicians or something, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kit is in charge of Sony Pictures, so maybe she could greenlight that. <laughs> okay. Way. Yeah, let's re- be... let's reboot West Side Story Again. right now. <laughs> right now would be because the time. It, we gotta we gotta rush what. we gotta rush this sucker. <laughs> that trailer does not suggest to me that he's doing anything other than remaking <laughs> it. We gotta so. rush this sucker. What yeah. trailer? The new the Spielberg uh West Side Story trailer looks oh, when identical Christmas, I think. Okay. There's a new uh Lynn Manuel Miranda musical yeah, this in, the Heights, in the Heights that like released that's yeah. set almost in the same place and similar yeah. themes by an actual Puerto Rican person I think and yeah I don't know if <laughs> I thought that's kind of what happy I, about that yeah I thought that's what you were talking about I was like oh I guess no, that maybe yeah. is a remake of West Side Story I've never seen West Side Story so I don't know um, oh you should watch it it's really good that's on my that's might be the yeah. one that I make us watch for your um, biggest hole in your canon or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah. there should be a hole in your cannon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, I have like be a couple little holes. stragglers. <laughs> okay, the little stragglers. Go for it. Okay, um, let's see. So that corgi, the corgi puppet, is very yeah. fun, and Matthew Bourne loves those kinds of puppets. In I think Sleeping Beauty, he has one of a baby <laughs> that is so fucking scary. It's like Baby Aurora, and it's really he he there he is very Tim Burtonian, like his love for like the mashing up like the beautiful and the grotesque this uh this production design is much simpler like you know which makes sense it's 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 much more minimal than many of his like future sets but i think it's brilliant it's so good um and the way you know the columns like don't change the whole time and they serve different purposes throughout it's really cool um let's see oh i loved the ballet within a ballet reminded me a lot of the scene in Phantom of the Opera where there's an opera within the opera um, that is also like a parody of like a pastoral opera that is supposed to be funny. It doesn't really come off that way in the movie, um, but you're supposed to be watching it going like, this is really stupid <laughs> and, and opera is dumb. Um, and also the the askew proscenium is such a cool yeah, that effect. Cool. That was really neat. Um, and those costumes, the little, the butterfly costumes are like so beautiful. Um, I love in the bar scene, 
the kind of what's this the slaughter on fifth avenue slash like fossey style that you like you know you don't get to see that super off often in productions of swan lake like it's pretty amazing to see people dancing like that to like tchaikovsky's uh music um i thought it was interesting that the swan's costume does is not distinguished at all the principal swan's costume looks exactly like all the other swan's costumes but he's you i don't think you ever lose sight of him because that dancer is like so intense and beautiful and so good like which is just really cool usually like the principal dancer will have some slight alteration that allows you uh to identify them um but that was really cool um let's see um i love that move where he wraps around him like in the fetal position it's that, great that lift it's like yeah. i could cry right now talking about <laughs> it <laughs> um the only thing that's kind of bugs me about this show is that until the very end so the 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 main like swan theme the like do 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 um happens like kind of like really happens like twice and both times it's used as like a kind of bernard herman vertigo like psychological theme and like nobody's mm-hmm. dancing to it and it's like one of my favorite pieces of music ever and it's just he's always alone the prince is always alone on the stage i mean i love the like the graphics used and the you know the swan coming to life and flapping like that's really cool but it made me kind of bummed that like i'm not seeing people dance to, the, to this beautiful music um i kind of mentioned this but like when the prince and the stranger dance at the ball and the light turns blue it's so fucking simple but like you hear the audience get like the reaction in the audience is so fun and cool like how effective um that is and the way that that is choreographed is so great um the fucking we haven't mentioned the fucking creepy masks on the male dancers dressed as nurses Um, oh yeah that was super (laughs) super awesome um also there's like a one like super hairy chested ballet dancer in the company of swans and that was awesome and i feel like that had to be a choice um it was really really cool um i love the kind of like white smeared on the swans like there's just kind of like clown white makeup just sort of haphazardly all over them it looks you know they've been sweating through it so it's kind of like it just has so simple but such like an ethereal Mm -hmm. um effect uh as i already told you guys i started watching this at two because so i gave myself three hours to watch a two-hour thing because i'm like i don't want to be crying when we start the podcast but i finished immediately like right at five because i was like going back through things and like trying to get lee to come in and see things um and all that stuff um and i think i guess the last thing is i really like how it when the swan i felt that when the swans appear in this show it's such a different tone but it's almost i feel that it's almost entirely achieved through movement like atmospherically the lighting's not radically different the music is obviously from the same score but it feels like i'm in a like it conveys the idea of a kind of fantasy so well just kind of through how much more 
I don't know, beautiful and <laughs> ethereal the movement becomes as opposed to like, you know, the, the set being radically different or the lighting being radically different or the music mm -hmm. being radically different. And I thought that was like really, really cool. Anyway, that's it. Greatest thing ever. Gonna throw something Love in it. real quick. The yeah. uh, difference between your husband, Lee, and my wife, Sarah, uh, this week was that Lee got called into the room um, by his spouse to watch something from a ballet, and Sarah got called into the room by her spouse to watch something from a Jackie Chan film. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you said Which you were going to start watching Police uh, story. martial arts movies, and is that what you're doing? What? Uh, no, I was just watching. I think Police you story. mentioned that. You were like a couple, like last episode or something. You're like, I haven't seen very many martial arts movies or something. Like, I need to watch some of those. And then, yeah, I don't know. No, I haven't really. It's not like a, I started it as a project. I just, I picked up the uh, Criterion Collection, put out Police Story 1 and 2. And I just had it for several months. And I was like, I should watch Police Story. And I, I mean, did. That's dance. Police Story is an incredible film. It is. It freaking rocks. It it's is so excellent. good. And it, I'm so glad you liked it. It is balletic. I will say. I know. That's dance. Yeah. Oh, I for like, sure. I Truly. love watching fight yeah. scenes. Um, when they're but yeah, good. It was a great film. So, but it's, I, I it's also Sarah... surprising how it's not like it's it's surprisingly not as like gratuitously an action movie. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's there's a lot of downtime, but like yeah. it's all fun. It's super like it's a very funny movie. It is. It's like yeah. a Buster Keaton film. And it's like I've heard people Absolutely. compare Chan to Keaton. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. But and, and I guess it's just it's been a while since I've really seen a Jackie Chan movie and I was watching this and I was like, he is a genius. This is insanely yeah. good. <laughs> but um, I can't remember what I called her in the room for. Oh, it was basic. I mean, it was, I was just like, can you believe they did this? But he's in between. He's so a car has stopped and they've been swarmed. And so he's gotten out of the stopped car and he's standing in front of it, fighting off people. And then the villains drive up and smash into his car. And like, he's in front of the front bumper. He leaps up. And then the car smashes in and he leaps onto the the the, uh, the hood of the car. And I was like, if anything went wrong in shooting that, he would have lost both of his legs. Like, it's yeah. it's, it's ridiculous that they did that. <laughs> they, uh, that's the thing about yeah. about China is like they don't they don't like have insurance yeah. companies. Yeah. <laughs> so you could just do whatever the fuck you want. There's yeah. this really great story about because, uh, you know, his first movie in America, which is insane to me, is Rush Hour. Like I grew oh, up wow. watching yeah. Rumble in the Bronx, Operation Condor, yeah, all those movies. First so, strike, so many. First one. strike, yeah. Mm. So many of those movies got dubbed theatrical runs in the United States because yeah. they were just such massive movies. But um, yeah, so like him, him, him in Rush Hour was the, that that's his first American movie, and there's this really great story about like how he showed up to set or whatever, and it's I think it's the thing. There's a scene where he, he does this thing where he like it's like two there's two walls that are perpendicular to each other and he like kind of like dances up the wall. Yeah. And they like they had him there. They know they've hired Jackie Chan, yet they're spending like 45 minutes like figuring out how do we okay, so how do we <laughs> just like working around like their insurance and 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 you know, fi you know, 20 union people are trying to figure out how to do this thing. <laughs> and Jackie Chan was just like you want me to just do it like this? It just goes, <laughs> and, it's, you know? and it's just like, and it's in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that dude. He's great. I was trying to figure out like, like a Buster Keaton, Jackie Chan, Tom Cruise triple feature. Um, oh my God. But I couldn't figure out like what Tom what a dream. Cruise movie would be the most like stunt intensive. I think it's, 
I, I think Ghost Protocol because that's his most famous and Jackie Chan esque move. I think is probably climbing Burj Khalifa. Okay, you could say that. You could go. You could go another. You you could go another direction with it too, though. Okay, you're gonna you say one. S- no. Okay. I was gonna say I was gonna say something like, uh, uh, you know, Color of Money or something, where it's just like his he's doing stunts. That's but true. Cool. They're pool stunts. That's true. Uh, but I'm also I'm also might be working that into a triple too. So cool. you know what I'm finding money, is really okay. hard about doing these triple things is so many of the things I want to do are duos, and so like finding yeah. a third is like because I've been wanting to do the Hustler and Color of Money since we started this because like I watched both those back to back and the Hustler fucking just gutted me. Um, but it's like, well, what do I? What's the third movie we watch? I don't you know. Why so did that's... it? Why did it gut you? What about because, it you? Oh, I see what you're looking for. Um, <laughs> because it's just, it's about, it's about somebody who is very, very good at something. And that thing destroys the people hmm. that the, the only person who really loves him. Um, and it destroys himself. And it's, it's sort of like, so it's also one of those movies where it's like his success is also his demise. Amadeus. So, Okay. All right. There it is. I guess we'll watch those three. So I feel like just for the listeners, that resonates personally with Andrew because he's always been really gifted at hot dog eating contests, but it destroys <laughs> yeah. him. It destroys it the does. ones around yeah. him. And so he just related to it in that regard. But anyways, that's, you know, a little outside the pond or outside the podcast uh, information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I may be on my fourth marriage, but I've also eaten 4,000 hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Or it'd be like if Mike was really good at making pizza. <laughs> but, but it just tears my intestines apart. <laughs> Maybe I am good at making pizza. I haven't made a pizza in a while. Um, well, I got something to pitch to you if you're interested in a duo. Okay. Uh, but we can get to that when we talk about our next triple feature. But first, it's time for, unless Andrew had little stragglers. No. It's time for the cruise minute. Woo! Okay. Uh, do you ha- do you guys have anything? No, I don't. You never do. I know. Has Tom I Cruise. Know. Has Tom Cruise done a gay movie? Yes. What am I saying? The gayest Interview. movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are you he needs, he should do some more. Okay. That's there's my cruise minute. Tom Cruise gay movies are like we got Legend, Top Gun. What else? We got uh, Top Gun. Very gay. What interview with the vampire? Oh, there you Top- go. Boom. There's your triple. I don't know if Legend is gay enough. We've done all of those movies. He's I, just I don't know. Shorts. I don't know, Kit. Those shorts, my friend. But are it's just quite shorts. Short. Nah. Sorry. <laughs> what else would be? I think there's probably something more. I mean, um, Rock of Ages, he's like so obscenely straight that it becomes gay, kind of. Mm. Kind like of like Magnolia. the guy in this. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not he's not gay in Magnolia, but I just No, he's but you're so, right. The obscene yeah. masculinity. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Maybe his maybe his gayest movie is still ahead of him. <laughs> Could be. We'd like to think. <laughs> I mean, so. climbing the Burj Khalifa—that's kind of gay, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very phallic. You're right. That's really good. That's that's, that's amazing. That's good. All right. All right. Um, Cruise minute. Well, I because I sent you guys I sent you guys an article earlier about uh, the like the different directors and things they were gonna they originally considered for mi3 and now i'm reading a just like a follow-up thing that the hollywood reporter put out because it's the 15th anniversary for 
at my three. And there's a really good. That's crazy. I know. But they're talking about uh, just how, like, that movie saved the franchise. And it's like, if like, as cool as it would have been to see, uh, you know, like, one of those other directors maybe make a Mission Impossible movie, you got to figure. That's it, then. They're done after that. Like, because here's the, like the because the way I see Mission Impossible three is that it so firmly sets up what the series mm-hmm. like. You can trace the 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 current movies all the way to three. I think, I mean, you can trace the whole series, but I just feel like there's there's a clear like okay, this is the path we're going down, um, and it's like I feel like if you have something different then it just feels like, oh, here's a trilogy of movies that's just three different movies. I mean, or it becomes more like, if it keeps going, I think it would be more James Bondy than, like, if it did manage to keep going after three. To me, to me, J.J. Abrams in three is what turns it into the kind of Keatony, Buster Keatony constant failure sort of approach <laughs> to it you know that it's yeah. that it's funny to see him do impossible things and really struggle to do <laughs> to do them which like is not really the case in particularly two where he's just kind of like yeah. a cool guy um i just think that like yeah i think that's important but i also think that I don't know. I think without that vision for it, and also without Cruz needing a comeback at the time yeah. that Ghost Ghost Protocol came out, um, yeah, I don't know if we have any. If we have, and uh, I think I mean, fallout. I don't think it can be underestimated how important Michelle Monaghan, just the Absolutely. concept of the character, is to redefining the direction. Um, of the movies and also honestly even Carrie Russell in that movie is very important I think to like what became Ethan's defining quality that Alec Baldwin spells out explicitly <laughs> um in uh in Fallout um yeah yep yeah, I agree so yeah I think all of that I think the 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 more because Ethan is in no other point in the series is he more human than in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that stuff is very important and obviously <laughs> percolates throughout the, the other movies, even though but he's. Who kind of... would you want to see do one? If, if you knew that three was going to be okay, this is our, this is it. And we're done after this. Like who, what director do you want? I mean, and JJ Abrams is not a, because, I mean, we wouldn't have said we wanted J.J. Abrams. He just turned out no. to be perfect for it. Yeah. Um, no, the hero I we mean, needed. It's it's obviously De Palma again. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, truly, De Palma, though. But he wouldn't do it. De Palma put, never would. No. He, well, who knows? But put he, yourself no, back. No, he literally turned down Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> but no, that's what I'm saying. So put yourself. So he's. Uh, we, we are post Mission Impossible 2. He is post-Mission to Mars, which did not do very well. I just think well. he's too much of a badass <laughs> to, even in the wake of failure, consider himself as needing a comeback. I'm just saying he could have brought it back to the, the quality of Mission Impossible 1 I, after Mission Impossible He definitely could have. I think it would have been a good movie. I don't think he ever would have. I just think he's he's like, I'm not making sequels. <laughs> Probably, yeah. 
I also think that just like, like I rewatched MI1 within the last couple of months and just, I feel like I always forget, but it's just like, God damn, that movie's so fucking good. <laughs> and it's so, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how he does it again. I don't, no. I don't think, I kind of think it wouldn't happen. <clears throat> if anybody so could if, do it, it would be. If him. I was going to pick somebody, gosh, this is really tough to be honest, because it's like, because sometimes I do think that like, oh, you know what? I don't think I do want Christopher McQuarrie to direct four Mission Impossible movies in a row for him and for the series. But then on the other hand, it's like, but they're really fucking good. So. And they're Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> and they're Tom Cruise movies. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the other thing is like they don't really feel as much like director's movies anymore. They feel no, like yeah. a producer's movie. Yeah. Um, which you can only really see when you look at the series as a whole. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess I would, I guess I would pick, I don't know if I would pick like, I liked Joe Carnahan's idea for making a $50 million, uh, Mission Impossible movie. I don't want to see necessary. You know what? I got it. I got it. I would pick Gareth Evans, the guy who directed the, the raid movies. No. Oh, okay. That's what I want to see. Do you I want to see Ed- Ethan. Is Gareth Evans different from Gareth Edwards? Yes. That's Godzilla okay. guy. <laughs> Gareth Evans is he uses these cool. uh, these Indonesian like camera operators. Yeah. Basically, it's all handheld. They put everything on like a it's a thing called a fig rig, which is like a wheel, and they just you can turn the camera like James Wan uses it. And it's sometimes. in like a building, right? Yeah, like aren't they yeah. in a building? So, well, for the a lot second of, yeah. one isn't. That's more like open okay. world. But just like there's there's <laughs> like the idea of an the maybe the entire movie is one mission. Right. It's just like the beginning of the, that's how the raid starts. Oh, yeah. starts with That'd like, really they, cool. they, it, it opens with them pulling up to the building and ends that's with him cool. leaving the building. So I like, like so this is, this is my idea. Unfortunately, you are tied up for the next year and a half with your ballet film. So God damn it, I could have <laughs> never committed to that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. Um, I didn't, you want to hear mine? You're going to hate it. Let's do it. <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld. What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hey, he he, he, he needs a comeback good. too. Two guys needing a comeback. Yeah. It's a post yeah. Wild Wild Wait, West world. I've got mine. Okay. You know who I want to direct the film? Tom Cruise himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> His the directorial answer. I mean, debut. that's what you're getting. Something tells me. Here's the thing, because I thought about that too, and I have this feeling in the back, like just like it's it's. Is that he? I I'm not sure he wants. To, I think he knows he shouldn't. I but think he also is. I know. Yeah. There's a reason. There's a reason. There's a layer there. Yeah. There's, I think you're probably and, right. And, and Chris McQuarrie does. He is very important to that process. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um. So I kind of yeah. I I think there's. I just I think he knows more about this than we do. Yeah, I think he's like me, where he doesn't need. The glory. He's fine being the puppet master, pulling all the strings. And he gets making, it anyway. Making everything happen. <laughs> but knowing that he best serves the world as a movie star, as opposed to a, some, you know, impresario who's known. I do hope that he does do that at some point, though. I really like, want a Tom Cruise directed movie really badly. Because yeah. I, I feel like there will be a point sooner than later if he keeps up like he is, like where his body just won't do the things yeah. that he wants to do. And so I wonder if in that case, 
because I think I think directing a movie, I think starring in a movie is quite a bit depending on what you're making is is much less time intensive yes. and than directing a movie. I think what Tom Cruise is doing where he's starring in a movie and, you know, making it is on another level. But I feel like he would very easily get sucked up into like the responsibilities of like managing an entire production, which he already does. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I could see that. I could see him like building these scenes and well, maybe not necessarily behind, being in them. You watch behind the scene footage of like the one where they're the helicopter behind the scenes footage where they're mm-hmm. like seemingly standing there on the day being like, okay, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, what yeah. are we going to shoot? And I mean, it's him and McCory and a couple other probably stunt coordinators and stuff. And they're like, okay, well, what if I'm, you know, really fucking close to your helicopter? <laughs> like it really seems like they are choreographing the scene together right there at an airfield they are and the insane thing about these movies that like i think a lot of people don't realize is that so much i mean you know everybody says like oh you write the movie three times before during and and after while you're editing but the thing is is like i feel like most of the writing that's happening is in the production like they yes. basically go in they have a script, I'm sure, but I think that's part of it's just having McCory on set and then also him being the writer and then, I guess, uh, just a, a a lot of bravery. But, like, yeah, they, they write which, those movies as they're going along. Which is which what is... is so blows my mind because even in those movies where obviously the action is the reason, mm-hmm. to me, I think of them as the best written movies currently going like the writing to the extent that you know plotting a movie Mm -hmm. having characters say things deciding when's going to happen things are going to happen how the action is going to ramp up fallout's top 10 best written movies i've ever seen and and but i agree with you i think that is very kind of it's it seems like the writing is secondary to like what they want to do Excuse me. Well, if, I, Mike if, wants this ahead. to be done. If I may. Uh, it is called the Cruise Minute, and we're nearing about 10 minutes of Tom Cruise conversation here. Perhaps we could pick this up after the podcast. Yeah, I'll just say I'll say one one last thing, which is that which is kind of which is basically what Kit was saying. But uh, like I think that they I mean, they definitely go into the movies with idea like because Tom Cruise just has like a list of ideas in his head of like stunts that he's wanted to do for like 10 years. And he just like whenever a movie <laughs> gives him an opportunity to do it, he does it. Which is a strange way to uh, approach movies, but also kind of awesome. Um, Seems to be working. D- yeah, <laughs> it does seem to be working. But it doesn't, but to his credit, it doesn't feel like when they get to the Burj Khalifa to climb that sucker, it's not like I feel, I don't feel that the movie is a conduit for his stunt. I feel like the stunt is. Absolutely! Is a conduit for the movie. That's why the writing is so good is because it's yeah. like what it needs to do is make it so that he has no other fucking choice. Exactly. And they do it. You're like, they well, I guess it. he's got to fucking climb these buildings in these crazy fucking gloves. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Mike. All right. Now you're good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. But Mike. <laughs> what is it, Andrew? The listeners want to know what we're going to be talking about next week. Hmm. I do, too. It's undecided, but it will be a triple feature of my choosing. I have uh, I have four ideas. We can discuss them, or you can just tell me to pick one. Uh, but uh, we'll, we I can let's, let's discuss them, but let's do it after we finish this. Yes, do it after the episode. That's what I was thinking. 
Uh, okay. okay. Well, uh, slow motion triple feature was recorded uh, in box seats at the ballet, but not the good ones. We were way in the back and couldn't see anything, and the popcorn guy <laughs> never even came around. Uh, in fact, I'm 90% sure it was a janitor's closet. Uh, anyways, special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Thank <laughs> you.